Hey, welcome back to Mobile First. I'm your host, Jordan Bryant. Every week, I sit down with industry leaders to unlock how they are creating effective mobile experiences that make an impact for their businesses so that you can understand the perspective and tactics to replicate their success. If you're new to the show, Mobile First is the media child of Emerge Interactive, a digital experience company with two decades of creating highly performing digital products out of Portland, Oregon. We believe that every digital product owner deserves a clear vision, plan of action, and the right capabilities to create effective digital experiences that help to increase sales and performance. This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Trey Courtney, SVP and Global Chief Product Officer at Mood Media. Trey is the Global Chief Product Officer for Mood Media, a leading in-store media specialist that uses a mix of music, visual, and mobile solutions to help its clients communicate with customers and drive incremental sales in retail establishments. You know, I think as a kid looking back, for me, it was about telling stories. I think what, you know, I like to write, I like taking pictures, and ultimately that's telling stories, right? And so when you're in a media company, forget the technology for a second, you're just trying to tell a story. Trey brings over 12 years experience in technology development and professional services at both large and small companies. Prior to Mood Media, Trey worked in a variety of product management and professional service roles at companies like Accenture and eBay. Trey, thanks for joining. Really excited to have you here. Jordan, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So your first podcast, we're going to do it right. Really excited. Got a lot of amazing things to cover today. And But before diving into your experience, we want to just pause for a moment and step back and get to know who you are and get to know your perspective. So Trey, what are you most passionate about in your profession and why? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for me, first and foremost, for what we do, and we'll get into what Mood does later, but you know, we're trying to solve the retail challenge today, right? With technology. Retailers are trying to figure out how to engage with consumers in a meaningful way. How do you do that most efficiently? How do you create that emotional connection? And how do you use technology to do that? And so I spent a lot of my time, almost all of my time, trying to figure out how that works, right? So how do I how do I solve that problem, if you will, of engaging the consumer in a retail environment with technology? and primarily mobile technology. And that's really cool. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, to what extent we can, we can really tie emotional connection to different experiences. And, and what's really cool, what Mood is up to is, is all the different senses that it touches on. I can't imagine though, as a 10-year-old, you're sitting around thinking about this, right? And how this technology can be really uh, touching all these various senses. So what about your upbringing? What about your journey led you to be passionate about this? No, it's, it's funny. When I was a kid, before I went to college, I actually wanted to be a National Geographic journalist. I wanted to go take pictures around the world, write stories, and then realize when I got into college that I probably wasn't going to make a lot of money. And so I actually got a degree in finance. And so as I was getting my degree in finance, I pivoted into the complete opposite of altruistic, travel the world, tell people stories to now want to be an investment banker and make a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah. And so in my junior year in college, I got an internship at corporate finance at UPS in the regional office where I went to school. And I was helping, you know, do corporate finance and accounting, uh, helping with the budgeting process and not to date myself, but 
Excel was the primary tool. And then there was ERP-like solutions and software that a lot of large companies like UPS used to manage their budgets, do budgeting. And none of the folks in the office really knew how to do that. And so I started getting involved in how to use kind of web technology, write scripts and do some advanced scripting in Excel to make that process completely faster and easier and better and and get to a better budget and and insights. And, you know, at the time, this was also when the dot-com bubble was starting to, to, to happen in the Bay Area. And so by the time I got to my senior year, I was telling myself, I need to get to the Bay Area. I need to figure out how to get there. And so I ended up interviewing at Accenture at the time it was Anderson Consulting and got a an offer and was able to relocate out to the Bay Area. So I actually started my career at Accenture where I got to learn software development, how to manage the development process, how to solve a customer's problem, right? So large clients and I got to work for lots of different clients across lots of different verticals, solving challenges around ERP and CRM and using internet web-based technologies. I mean, that was the first iteration in the late 90s and early 2000s. And so I spent my formative years, if you will, as a consultant using these kind of web-based technologies and technology to solve the business problem. And so I kind of came into that professional services development world as the internet, if you will, and the web technologies were, were coming to the forefront. That's interesting. I mean, with your first interest wanting to do something for National Geographic. And, and it seems like it's, it's more of an expressive sort of expertise. And then moving to now the business world, finance, business, internet. But now I'd say with even Mood Media, you're kind of working your way back to something that's a little bit more expressive in how the technology interacts with, with its users. And so what caused this interest to want to jump to Mood Media? Because you've been there for a while. What made you want to jump back into more of that expressive state? And, and what's kept you there? Yeah, that's no, a great question. I actually joined Mood Media as a consultant. So team that I was, I worked for a small boutique consulting firm at the time. We got hired to help figure out the device strategy. At the time, Mood, you know, the internet-enabled media devices didn't exist, right? Or they, do, they were too expensive. And so I came in to kind of architect a strategy to find a low-cost player that was internet capable, that had, you know, that we were able to develop the software to control it. And so I join Mood as a consultant, help them deliver a new device to market, and then ultimately joined full-time to kind of come in as a technical product manager. So I took over all the platforms that we had, the software development around those platforms, because ultimately we take content, whether it's video or audio, we curate it, and then we have to deliver it. We have to deliver it to lots of different systems because we're ultimately a media services company. And so my role was to figure out the platform component, how do we do that more efficiently? How do we develop the experience that either the corporate client sees or the small business sees or the employee sees and make that super intuitive and cost effective for us as well? And so that's how I came into Moon Media. And then the last couple of years, I focused more on taking, being at what I'll call in the shadows and internally facing to support what's happening in the market and taking over the ownership of product, right? So how do we actually launch new products and services that either lower our cost or drive incremental new revenue streams. And so how does your background then with finance, business, even photography, how does that impact and influence how you approach your job today as the chief product officer? You know, I think as a kid, looking back, for me, it was about telling stories. I think what, you know, I like to write 
I like taking pictures and ultimately that's telling stories, right? And so when you're in a media company, forget the technology for a second, you're just trying to tell a story. The cool thing is, and what gets me again, going back to what gets me excited, is using all these technologies to create that story and that experience. Because an experience is a story in some ways, right? And so that's what I spend most of my time doing is clients come to us with a challenge or problem. How do I engage my consumers? How do I create a meaningful experience? And so I think bringing my storytelling background, if you will, plus my experience in development and technology and even finance, because the finance piece is you have to understand both, how do I make this cost effective for the client, right? How do you price it so they can afford it, if you will? And then how do we make money? So by bringing all those components together, we're able to develop some pretty compelling solutions for, for our clients and then improve the bottom line at Mood. And so for those who may not know what Mood is, can you give us a quick description of who you guys are and what you do? Absolutely. So Mood actually is the world's largest in-store media uh, solutions company. So. Our goal is to create greater emotional connections between the brands and the consumers. And we do that using site or video, digital signage, sound, audio, music, scent. So we actually will deploy scent, if you will, to create, a, to make it smell better and to, to create those experiences in the consumer. And then in the last couple of years, we've obviously focused on the social and mobile component to get that done. Social and mobile. Really cool. And so, you know, you have site, sound, scent, and then social and mobile, those being broken out as individual categories, you know, how are you differentiating social from mobile? And then do site, sound, scent play a role in social and mobile or are those their own categories? I'd say they're blending, right? Meaning that site and sound typically, I mean, that's where we started. That's where the roots in this business primarily in site and sound. And then and sent to some extent. Social and mobile are relatively new for us. I, I look at it in two perspectives. On the social side, what we're seeing is whether it's the employee or the consumer, we're developing some experiences, some, some apps that allow them to influence the music, influence what's on the screen, right? Because retailers and restaurants and the, the commercial establishments that we service, they all want to make their employees happy, right? And when you're in the store all day, you want to kind of influence the music. You want to influence what you're seeing because you're there all day. And so with the social piece and, and social mobile, I think, really go together because most of the experience that we're developing that are social, if you will, live on a mobile device, right? Whether it's the consumer who's pulling out their phone when they're in the store to be able to vote on the music to the employee who can walk up to a tablet that's provided by the retailer for them to, to control the environment. Those two things kind of go together. So, yeah, I think it's really cool because you mentioned, uh, you know, sight and sound being kind of the foundation and how you've added on these additional categories, sent social and mobile, and, and just what you've learned and what you've seen in trends from customer. And I think that the study that you guys did recently, the state of brick and mortar of 2017, really embodies a lot of this learning. And it's just amazing information too. 27 pages of information. It's all 
visually appealing, which is amazing. Everything's been put into a graphic, so it's very well visually represented with interesting facts like the stat you just used is actually pretty interesting. I think a lot of retailers and ourselves included assume that everyone actually doesn't want the assistant, right? We hear a lot of grumbling that rather just go in the store, get stuff done. A lot of retailers invested in technology so you can do self-checkout, product selection, and you don't need the assistant. And so it was interesting how many people do want the assistant, right? They want to leverage the assistant. And so what we're seeing more of, and retailers are starting to figure out, they need to augment technology. They don't need to get rid of that person, that associate. They need to provide them with better tools, right? Whether it's a tablet that at their fingertips, they can pull out the tablet, uh, pick some content or video to show. So maybe you're in an auto dealership and you're, you know, should I buy this car or that car? The sales associate can pull out the tablet pull up a car, actually put that on a screen, a larger screen, and they can have an interactive conversation and assist. So it makes the associate more powerful, but you can't get rid of them. So I think that was another, that insight in and of itself was, we were surprised by that. Yeah. And, and I can see how now sent and social, social being in having user generated content and having them, you know, putting control in the user's hands in the environment helps to accentuate that experience and really complement that, uh, that in-person experience. Absolutely. And so I, I you know, I want to drill down into really what you focus on and then some of the cool mobile experiences that you're working on. So in this transition to this role of chief product officer in our pre-chat, you'd mentioned that you're now more in a role of, of innovation. And so, you know, looking back over the four or five years in this role, you know, what were some of the biggest learning lessons and, and challenges that you faced in, in this transition? You know, first and foremost, we were, I, I would say, very internal focus in the sense of we, you know, the business felt like we kind of knew what our consumers wanted, right? So we kind of operated in some ways like the, the cable company, right? You want our content, you want our services. We had salespeople that would sell it. But when we came up with new products or services, we didn't look outward as much, right? You know, what I've focused on, and, and I wouldn't say it was, I knew it coming in. I think we learned some hard lessons by developing some products and services that we launched and realized, well, that was wrong, right? Because we didn't do the, we didn't have the conversation up front. We service both, I call them the mom and pops, right? Small, medium-sized businesses we service, right? For your local coffee shop to the local Jersey Mike's, that's our client. And we also service really large enterprise clients like the Macy's and the Home Depot's of the world. And so when you've got that breadth of client, it's easy to say, wow, it's too much hard work to go figure out what they want. And we had to learn the hard way, if you will, if we're going to launch something new, we need to go have that conversation. And so that was a key learning for us. And it's, it's colored the way we think. And don't forget the little stuff, right? It tends to be people get excited about the shiny features. Oh, if I, I build this really cool looking app and show it to our client at the, at the corporate level, they're going to get excited. But you got to think through what the employee wants, right? The employee is in the trenches every day. And so how do you make their lives easier? Because it can look great. Corporate can love it. But if the employee, for example, doesn't engage with it or the consumer doesn't like it, it's game over and you learn it pretty quickly, right? And in a cons when we deliver something into a retail environment, I always call it a harsh environment, right? Meaning that, you know, we've all been into a, a restaurant, we've all been in a retail 
place. Those, those places are harsh environments to put technology in, pull stuff out. You have to send someone to help or you have to make phone calls to the employees uh, to try to help you. And it's hard, right? Not that consumer is easy, but when, you, when you're in a commercial environment, it's 10 times tougher, right? So we've really tried to focus on thinking about it from a different perspective. So, you know, if a customer asks us, hey, let's build this experience to build a product selector for my store so that my, so the employees can show the, the consumer something uh, quickly and efficiently. You need to think about it just not just from the corporate standpoint. You need to think about it 360, the employee, the corporate person. And those things don't always align, right? So there's always a balancing act. And mm-hmm. so that's some of the challenges and some of the aha moments that we've tried to incorporate we still don't get it right all the time, but I think we've gotten much better in the last year or two. So you'd mentioned, you know, don't forget the little stuff. Do you have an example or can you give an example of, of what one of those little things has been in the past for maybe that employee experience? You know, again, our business is we, we provide physical equipment, a media player, if you will. So if we provide music for a business, we are going to install little media player for the folks on the the phone, if you will, listening to the podcast, they would think of it like a Roku like box or the set top box that the cable company provides similar technology. It's all IP enabled. We developed an app about a year and a half ago called mood controller with the idea of easy setup. So if a client wanted to do the setup of the device themselves and get rolling, or they want to adjust the music or adjust the experience after it's been installed, they could use this app. And obviously, we were following the lead of what the Roku's and the Apple TVs were doing. And we learned some hard lessons. Specifically, employees have less patience than the typical consumer using some of this technology because it's not for their use. It's for their employer's use, right? So little things like the timeout, when when you connect to the device, we had the timeout function wrong, right? So again, that device the mobile app is talking to our device. And so that thing was timing out and we got just crucified and, you know, calling support because employees would say, I don't have time for this, right? This thing keeps timing out. Why can't you keep me logged in? And we were more worried about corporate security and not having a device connected to our device for too long a period of time, but it was frustrating the employees and they let us know about it. And so that's just a little example of, wow, we didn't think about that, right? So the, again, there's that balance of what I'll call corporate security concerns and just day-to-day, right? So you kind of have to figure out how to balance those two things. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think this is definitely worth reiterating. So you mentioned like Roku and like even Sonos, these apps, these consumer apps, and being that those are also you know hardware controllers, that influenced how you were thinking about how you can create these employee experiences. But then there was some key learnings. So first of all, you did the market research and found, you know, there's some things in market that are best in class that can absolutely influence what we're doing because there are some commonalities. But then once actually building it and considering now the other users, so the corporate, the admin user, and how that impacted what was created. But then now considering, wow, the users are actually vastly different. It really changed, you know, what was built that I reiterate that or are there things that you would add to that? No, that's spot on. I mean, that's absolutely right. Right. So you spot on this, uh, the corporate security, I can absolutely, I mean, they're the ones footing the bill. They're the ones investing into this. You know, there's some, a lot of, of information and security concerns, especially this day and age when 
everyone has a mobile device that can potentially be that access to that employee experience. Uh, a personal device can be access to an employee experience. So what were some of the, the big beyond just being able to incorporate the user experience and now having a different user? What were some of the features or experiences that, that were challenging that were maybe unforeseen? Yeah, the biggest thing for us is the network connectivity. Again, our device effectively is talking over the network or the internet, right? If you have the app, it's talking to our device to control it. So you're using the network. At some point, you're on the local network, if you will. And networks, whether it's a small business that's using, say, Comcast versus that has a very sophisticated you know, network structure, I mean, we, that was one of the biggest challenges is we saw, hey, this thing works great on this type of network, Cisco routers, we got that figured out, but this type of network, this type of little nuance, we, this is really hard, right? Why is this not working over here? And so we actually had to engage what I'll call more detailed network experts. And I probably learned more than I wanted to about some of the intricacies <laughs> of networking, or at least try to get the team to explain it, because those are the things you don't you realize you're going to deal with until they happen, right? Again, it could vary across the board. We had a client who, two stores, side by side, exact same network, exact same settings. And I can't remember the exact setting it was, but literally we were on the phone for hours and hours and hours trying to help this large corporate client get this fixed. And it ended up being checking this box, if you will, in the Cisco management software system. And all of a sudden, everything started talking to each other and they're happy, but it took us a while to get there, right? And you have to engage a lot of different people to make it work. And that's the other challenge, too, is you don't have the luxury of talking just to one person who's there. You may have to talk to the person in the store and then call someone from security or support at the store, get our folks involved. And so it ends up being quite the ballet to get those things working. And so so that's another example of some of the challenge we've had to overcome. Interesting. That was something that you'd mentioned has been a bigger thing. Is there any immediate challenge that you're faced with or any changes you'd like to see made, you know, for the app moving forward? Speed. I mean, one of the things and I'm sure your uh, past folks have talked about, I mean, Apple and Android of death, you know, when I started doing app development, you know, the, the old challenge was kind of like the, the browsers of old, if it worked great over here, but it didn't work in this browser. And so you were constantly trying to figure out how to make these things work and look the same in both browsers. And it's kind of the same challenge in the app. And so we still struggle a bit with how do we support all the different types of phones and tablets and what are the trade-offs, right? Because we'll see, have a client who owns a small business. Maybe he's got an old version of Android and it's a hard message to say, sorry, this thing doesn't work. And so, but you can't chase all of those things. So those are the things we, we continue to try and hone in on, right? Which is what's the right balance of, you know, which phones do we support? How do we deal with some of the Android challenges versus some of the, the iOS challenges? And how do you make those consistent? Because we ultimately use like wireless to talk, you know, to do the setup. And for example, Apple has a whole different way. If you're trying to connect to a device via wireless, and the way Apple does it is completely different in Android. And you kind of have, how do you build an app that kind of does both is always a challenge. Plus keeping up with all the changes that they make. <laughs> right. It's constant, right? And some of these low level tech things that a typical app developer may not have to deal with when you have to deal with like low level networking, talking to other devices, it is a, is a super hard challenge. 
you know, we talked about the mood controller app and, and that being an employee solution. But what's really interesting about Mood Media is, is the other service that you offer for clients and, and developing software specifically for some of the challenges that they face and, and wanting to have some of these solutions put in place to, to improve their media experience in stores. Can you maybe explain a little bit, maybe giving an example uh, of what that would look like? So about a year ago, because we recently just launched it, one of the largest telecom providers in the U.S. came to us. Primarily at first for music, but, you know, their stores and a lot of the stores are the same. So if you imagine going into buy a mobile phone or buy service, small footprint stores, maybe they're at the mall, maybe they're standalone, but there's lots of technology. They sell wireless speakers now. They sell lots of accessories and gadgets on top of what I'll call the mobile phones and services. And they have a lot of stuff on display. And so they first came to us because they wanted better sound, better music? How, do, how does mood with their background in music do that? And so as we started that conversation, one of the challenges they had was they sell a lot of these little Bluetooth speakers, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you sell speakers? Well, most people, if you're going to buy a speaker, you want to hear it, right? So they had, at the time had a what they felt was an insufficient app. It didn't have enough music to hit all genres, to demo the music. It wasn't a great user experience. It wasn't employee friendly. It wasn't consumer friendly. So they said, hey, can Mood help us with that? And so we have a huge library of music and we had had some experience building music apps, if you will. So we developed a custom experience for that that could live on these tablets and phones that they use to demo these speakers. And as we were developing this with them, they said, you know, our stores are fairly small. So when I've got music playing overhead, right, and it's fairly loud because they want the music to be heard because it's a very cool playlist. Well, when I'm demoing a speaker, you get what we call noise pollution, right? I can't, is that the speaker? Can't really hear the speaker because I'm, I'm hearing the, the overhead music. And so they said, can you make the music overhead pause when they're demoing the speaker? And then when they're done demoing the speaker, can you bring that music back up? And so we said, sure, let's do that. And so we actually did an, uh, an integration, if you will, leveraging some of the same components of the Mood Controller app that I talked about before, but we integrated those features into their app because it's skinned for them so that when you're demoing this music, it sends a command over the internet, if you will, through the cloud to our device, and it mutes the music. And then after it's done, it brings the music back up and it's very elegant, very cool. I mean, these guys were floored when they saw it because they didn't think we'd be able to do that. Hmm. And then on top of that, they said, well, you know, our employees want some influence over the music. And so we developed a custom. It wasn't a, an app per se, but it was a mobile web app that allowed the employees to log in. And they got to select from music. So if they were tired of hearing or wanted to hear a different playlist, they had the ability to do that. And then lastly, we have a partnership with Shazam where if you, we call it Shazam in store. So we're able to develop with our device, if you if you open up Shazam and Shazam Music in one of our retail environments that's participating, you get a custom result, right? So they love that. Their calls to action in the store are, hey, Shazam now, and you get custom offers. You get to be able to influence the music. So they've integrated the influence the music piece. So if you Shazam, you can actually click a button within Shazam when you're in the store and actually influence the music as a consumer. So again, you're hitting all the touch points, but it still gives corporate the control because it's not a jukebox where you can just pick whatever music you want. It's within a, what I'll call a curated list, but it gives the employee and the consumer 
that level of interactivity within a framework, if you will. I think it's really interesting that, you know, with the Moo controller app, but then also the service you provide to your customers, it, it creates a really unique opportunity in how you can learn, right? And what you learn from deploying that experience to that customer, the, that telecommunications customer, and how you were saying that you were incorporating some of the the technology and learnings from the Moo controller app. But then I'm, I'm sure it goes both ways. You know, I'm curious, is there one learning that's came out of working with a customer that's influenced the Mood Controller app for your internal employee solution, or even a big one, vice versa? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I think the challenges that I mentioned with the Mood Controller app, where, you know, we realize that the employee's time is valuable and they're running the business, right? So the things that I talked about with the timeouts and fixing those actually helped us when we went to our, our client with this app in store that I was mentioning in the, in the wireless telecom environment where we were able to upfront say, as we were building this, well, when we, cause there's a setting section, if you will. So the employee can do the settings and adjust some stuff. And so we really thought through before we deployed this, how do we make this super easy, both for, for the employee, for corporate and ourselves to support it? I wouldn't say it's perfect. We've done iterations since then. But what we learned with the Mood Controller app in terms of don't forget the employee, don't forget the, how to make this easy to troubleshoot, because that's the other thing, which I kind of danced around, but just to put it out there, you really have to make sure you can support this thing and be able to troubleshoot it remotely, right? Stuff will happen is the point. Something will break. When you've got a foot, let's say I'm doing, again, the telecom provider has like 2,000 stores. So 2,000 stores, problems are going to happen. It's not going to be in all of them, but you know, even if it happens in 1%, that's a fairly large number to deal with. And so you really have to be prepared for it. You kind of have to expect stuff is going to happen. Network's going to go down. Something's going to happen with the tablet. There's all sorts of external factors that you don't expect. And so you kind of have to, you have to be prepared for that. I like that. So just want to reiterate, you know, just keep in mind that support plan. and. On the customer side, you're talking about it's it's how the mood employees engage and support in their customer experience. Really cool. So Trey, you know, where should we go to keep tabs on some of these cool things that are coming out with Mood Media? We service just about every large retailer there are, right? So mm -hmm. while I can't name all the names, if you go into if you're shopping for a car, uh, a lot of the leading brands. If you go into those locations, you're going to see our digital signage. You're going to see our mobile tablets that the employees are going to use to help you buy that car. And then in retail in the malls, we worked with Washington Prime. That's one I can mention. They own about 200 malls across the country. And so they've started deploying what we they call the jukebox, which is a mobile tablet that's on a stand on multiple places within the mall. And it allows you, the consumer, to influence the music, vote on the music in the mall location as you're walking to the mall as well as you can text message your friend, dedicate a song, and then enter to win a contest, right? So each mall kind of runs a, you know, a shopping spree. Enter today, next week, you can win a $500 shopping spree. So we built that experience so that they can do that. And it's seasonal. We did it for Christmas. They're going to do it for Valentine's Day, so forth and so on. So definitely go check out some of the malls that Washington Prime has. You can find those online. And we've also partnered with, we have a relationship with iHeartMedia. So they do radio promotions for the mall to tell you to come into the mall. And then when you come into the mall, we kind of complete that experience. So we're really creating that bridge between 
out of store and in store, right? So if you hear something on the radio, you see something on your phone, mobile app, and you come into a retail environment, we're trying to close that loop and create that experience so that, oh, I heard about this promotion. I heard about this experience. And then we're bringing that to life when you come into the store. If we wanted to follow up and, and see some of the cool technologies you're working on or, or clients you're working with, what, you know, would you suggest going to the website or are there some social channels you suggest? Where, where do you suggest we go first uh, to keep tabs? Yeah, definitely go to our website. Okay. I mean, we do a lot of promotion on our Facebook page. We do a lot on our, obviously, our website. And then we do a lot of PR releases. So you could always add us as a Google a Google alert, if you will, uh, just add mood media. You know, we, we constantly put those things out there as much as we allow, as our clients will allow us to talk about it. All right. So that's moodmedia.com. And then also make sure to tune in this Friday for a rapid fire round where Trey is going to be sharing some of his most valuable resources. Thanks for joining us today and dropping some really valuable insight on some of the things you guys have learned along the way. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. And thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, Jordan, thank you very much. Hey, thank you for listening. For additional resources on how to increase sales and performance with your mobile experiences, head over to www.emergemobilefirst.com and select the Get Free Resources button there at the top and gain instant exclusive access to tools and resources from all of our guests aggregated into one single place just for you. Now, I'm looking forward to digging in with my next guest, but until next time, think mobile first.